Welcome to She Says Says with the Drum Studio Beats, powered by Scrambled in association with Frank and Lively. Today I have with me my guest, Kate Howe, CEO at Gyro, and my name is Sunu Singh, your host today. Hi, Kate. Morning, Sunny. We're going to be talking about something uh, quite serious uh, today, leadership in uncertain times. So I've known you for almost two decades, maybe, and um, I think we first met when you were running a gala bingo, the biggest bingo and casino operator here in the UK. And I just wonder, when we talk about leadership and, and the uncertain times that we live in today, do you think it was an easier time to be a business leader when you first started? Um, yeah, so I guess Gala Coral Group... Um Probably there was a number of factors because if you look at what's driving a lot of the difficult and uncertain climate in which leaders are all trying to operate today, we had, first of all, we were private equity backed. So we were owned by Candover and Sinbin and Permira. And that meant that we didn't have that really difficult quarterly reporting cycle that is driving all the immense short termism, which I'm seeing in, you know, my clients in large public companies today. Um, they're really wrestling with it and things like having to uh, justify their marketing spend on a quarterly basis, spend it and then prove the returns on it in order to release their money for the next quarter is really not an optimal way to work. So we were fortunate in that perspective. Um, being private equity back comes with challenges, but I think probably it wasn't as hard as being publicly quoted. And then the other thing is that we only started to trade internationally in the last year or so of my time there. And the percentage of our business that was international was quite small. And undoubtedly, um, the geopolitical uncertainty and uh, a lot of the other things, not least for us, obviously, Brexit, are factors that leaders of international businesses are having to wrestle with, which wasn't a factor for us at that time. I attended a recent event where the Brexit campaigner, Gina Miller, was talking about leadership and how leadership in general is not fit for purpose. You mentioned Brexit, and you mentioned leadership uh, in business. But I, I just wonder what your take is on leadership as a whole. Yeah, I mean, it's. I, I heard that Gina made an amazing speech earlier this week. Um, a lot of people are talking about it. And I do keep hearing that there's a vacuum of leadership in the UK generally. So... I'm not sure how really true that is, but I do see the leaders in our industry under huge amounts of pressure. And I think the thing is, if you do look at the amount of global economic uncertainty, geopolitical uncertainty, um, and then you look also at the endless pace of change that's going on with technology, I wonder whether there's actually ever been a harder time to be a leader. Um, and then I think that's the true, the true test of leadership is being able to lead in very difficult times. So I think Gina well, may well be right that whether or not it's a crisis of, of, or a vacuum of leadership, leadership not being fit for purpose seems like a really good conversation to be having. You use the word technology, so we have to talk about digital transformation. We're all talking about it, we're all writing about it. I just wonder whether there is a sense of what, what the hell does it actually mean? Are we all be, being transformed? What, what, what does that entail? Yeah, I mean, I, I get really excited the second that anybody starts talking about digital transformation, because for me, it's like this amazing time of change where it is laying a foundation for a future that we can't necessarily entirely predict. But we know that if we're not engaged in a lot of the new technologies now, then we can't possibly be fit for purpose in the future. So 
I, and also I think it's it, you know, that opportunity creates further opportunity. So in our industry, clients are looking to agencies to really help them navigate their way through a lot of the change that they're having to push through their business. And I think from a marketing perspective, you see uh, you know, the, the change that marketing automation is bringing where we've got data-driven targeting, meaning that we can be more uh, relevant and more targeted than we've ever been able to be before. I'm seeing client organisations where they know they have to implement these technologies, but actually they're hard. It's really quite difficult to do. It pushes huge change through their organisations. And it has to work because once they go down this path, and I think it's inevitable, by the way, that most companies will have to go down this path. Um, you know, CapEx is involved, restructures of, of people and, and organisation are involved, and it absolutely has to work. So it's a real great opportunity for the um, agency businesses that get it to be able to partner with with clients and, and create new new services, I think, and new futures for everybody. But that's my only concern is that are there business leaders who are actually getting it it's that long-term vision which you know call me cynical but I'm, I'm not really seeing many examples of that uh, really happening I think what I'm seeing in a lot of organizations is that it is now uh, the the remit of both marketing so the CMO and either the chief uh, technology officer or the chief data officer who are working together to actually create that vision and that's what is also quite exciting about being in marketing right now it means that marketers actually have more than ever a right to be at the top table and a reason to be there because they're the ones that can bring the vision and I don't think it's realistic necessarily for CEOs or some of the other C-suite to be the drivers of a vision where you're talking about technology-enabled capabilities, which fundamentally impact on the customer experience. And while I think everyone is becoming increasingly convinced that uh, customer experience is everything, who is going to bring that story and who is going to bring the vision for the technology and the implementation of it if it's not the marketing department and partnered with IT or, or, or technology departments. It all seems a way too much. It's almost like hell's breaking loose. Uh, and I just wonder, you know, as a leader, what's, how do you find your centre? How do you find your answers and help others to navigate through uh, everything uh, that we're going through? A lot of it, I think... And is it also another reason why we're all talking about being purpose-driven organisations? Because if you really understand your core purpose of why you're here, what you're trying to do, what you believe in, then you can build everything else around that. If that foundation stone of understanding why you're even here and what your purpose is isn't well defined and well understood in your organisation, then I think it is a problem. And then I think it can all feel too much and you can probably start lots of things that you don't know how to finish and you lose a lot of people along the way. But if you really understand what you're here for, um, then I think that forms a framework from which you can build and you've got a really good chance of succeeding. Ah, the, that great big word, purposeful uh, leadership. Um, obviously, we hear a lot about it. But if you look outside the world of business uh, and look at what's happening in uh, in our politics, not just in the UK, but but uh, elsewhere, what you're seeing are examples of leaderships who are anything but purposeful. There's 
a kind of different, very different kind of leadership that's that uh, seems to be happening. Whether we look at uh, Trump in the U.S., whether we look at Modi in India, uh, there's also the autocratic um, rule which has come back to Turkey as well. Then look at what's happening here, back here in the U.K. I I just wonder whether we're just talking about purposefulness in leadership, but we're not seeing um, many examples. Yeah, I mean, I actually completely agree with you and uh, I'm really reminded of a lunch I went to at the IPA where Lord Putnam was was speaking and it was quite a small closed doors event and he talked about the fact that what he missed most in politics was conviction politicians and we were talking about whether maybe Margaret Thatcher was the last political leader that we had that absolutely totally believed in her uh, in the things that she stood for and Actually, not long after that, I went to a dinner where um, one of the companies that does a lot of the polling for the government was there. And and I hadn't previously understood until then the extent to which the government put a message out, immediately polled it. If it wasn't proving popular, they pulled it, put another message out. And if that proved popular, they'd run with that or double down on that for a few days while they tested a few more. So none of this was about actually what they really believed in and what went to the heart of their manifesto it was absolutely purely about securing popularity and retaining power and i find that quite disappointing and and i and i think that people want strong leadership and they want authenticity and if it's if you're leading without purpose you're not authentic and you're very hard to believe in which is why i think we're seeing the rise of people like trump who um, whether we like him or loathe him, he really believes he's the man for the job and he really believes the way that he wants to do the role. And and, and people have bought into that enough to make him president of the most powerful country in the world. Is there a lesson here then for businesses? Do you think businesses are doing enough to be able to navigate this era of a certain kind of leadership and therefore bring in that, that sense of purpose, something that, that people are actually craving for? Uh, no, I think... I think there's a small number of rockstar CEOs who absolutely are doing it. If you look at Unilever and P&G and a couple of the banks now that have really recognised what they need to do to clean up reputation and to become credible again. And trust, of course. And trust, absolutely. Um, But I think it's a small number and it's the same people that we keep seeing being trotted out onto the conference stages, into all the key articles. Um, They're the same people that are being quoted all of the time. So I think there's a small number of brilliant leaders, but I just think there's not enough of them and we need more. In in times of crisis, surely... Uh, we need to be seeing that great leadership examples. It needs that's what breeds great leadership. What is it that that one thing you think that's holding us all back? Probably fear. I think in uncertainty breeds fear, and so it, it takes an incredibly strong leader to actually truly lead in the face of adversity and. You know, these are really difficult times. I think, as I said at the beginning, it's the one thing that strikes me right now is since the Second World War, has there been a harder time to be a leader, a more uncertain time to be a leader? Risk is absolutely everywhere. And it's the reason we need strong leaders, but I think it's also the reason that we haven't necessarily got them. We haven't been breeding them, you know, over the last decade or so to, to get them ready for these kinds of times. But then who saw these times coming? 
my um, worry also, it's called me cynical, but my worry is that are we sort of almost normalising chaos because not every senior staff departure or sales target miss or economic blip is some sort of an existential nightmare. So are we being enamoured by this great myth that only adversity breeds heroes, for instance? I think it's... I mean, I, I do really believe that um, when the going gets tough... Um, that's when the best leaders emerge. And not, you know, leadership isn't for everybody. A lot of people don't want to be that in that place. They don't want to have to be, you know, the spotlight on them and all the decisions and the responsibility on them. So, you know, it is when, when the best leaders emerge, but maybe we don't have enough people that really want that responsibility. Maybe it's even a sign of the... Uh, you know, the, the very, very different mindset of the generations that are coming through organisations now. You know, the next leaders are the millennials and they've got a very different way of wanting to live their lives and operate, you know, and, and manage their work-life balance and so on than my generation have. And the centennials that are coming up behind them, you know, are the same again. So you've got this pressure around you and above you from people that have the same expectations that maybe you know, we have, but then we've got the generations coming up below us who have a completely different set of expectations. And it's, I think, probably incredibly hard now to keep all of the people happy all of the time. Not everybody wants to sign up for that responsibility. Signing up for that responsibility also, I have to ask, talking about that, the next set of leaders, not just millennials, but shall we talk about gender as well? You know, when you, when you, you are one of the few female leaders um, in our industry, few fe- uh, one of the few female CEOs uh, leading ad agencies. And I, I'm just wondering whether your gender comes into play as a leader, f- for you, that is. Yeah, I think I've definitely got a style of leadership which is defined by being a woman. Um, and and I think it does... I'm, I'm, I've never been as acutely aware of the fact that I bring something different into the room when I walk into a room full of male leaders than no I one's ever walking. have before. Yeah, no one's walking with a mirror in front of themselves all day long anyway. No, that, exactly. But, I mean, when I was at Gala Coral Group, I was the only woman on a board of 14. Um, you know, everyone else was men, and most of them were at least a decade older than me. And, interestingly, I didn't feel that sense of difference then in the way that I feel it now. Um and I think it's because, thankfully, we're all recognising the incredible importance of gender equality and diversity. And it's also made us very aware of how different we are and how those dif- we bring those differences to the table. And that actually, that's a very good thing. And would you have any advice for women who are either aspiring to be leaders or um, indeed for other people who are slightly wary of this. There seems to be this sort of wave of of gender talk at the moment who are slightly wary of that. We are almost entering into a time when every single leadership uh, will be a woman or the the style of a female leader. Wow to that, though. (laughs) I, I think, you know, as we grow up in organisations and and we also become more sure of who we are ourselves I think you can you go on a journey where you aren't necessarily overly confident in in the early days and you have to learn what your own leadership style is and so I my advice to 
to women in our industry now who are um, working their way up is really be true to yourself. Absolutely do what you believe in and what you think feels right for you because I remember my, my dad gave me advice years ago which was like whatever you decide just make sure you can live with yourself and I've always lived by that and thought as long as I'm making decisions where I believe that the outcome is absolutely the best possible outcome for all concerned I'll live with that and it'll either work out or it won't um, but I think that having a genuine point of view and really believing in the decisions that I've made have been the thing that served me the best. And that's the advice I'd give to other people. And are you not worried about the kind of structures that we are in, whether it is in business or social structures, which are obviously very male-dominated, and therefore the style of leadership is dominated through the lens of what men have led us to believe as to what leadership uh, needs to look like? I think that was definitely the case until very recently. I think I'm fortunate enough to be in an industry that has been quick to uh, recognise the contribution of women and the, the kind of talent that women can bring to the table, not least because the brands that we quite often take responsibility for are quite often bought by women. And that's uh, you know very fortunate that I happen to choose a career in this industry that's probably modernised faster than many. Um I mean, I, I do still have a real sense of how male-dominated it is. Uh, I think that the uh, real upsurgence in a recognition of the importance of diversity and women has been played through a lot of the, the agency world much, much faster than it has in other industries. And so I, I notice today that we are all very, very keen to champion those principles in a way that really just wasn't being talked about even two or three years ago. Kate, I've always said to you that I I believe that you have a clone somewhere because, you know, the way you work and and, and the pace of change and the things you've done in your life. Um, I, I'm quite curious, what is your centre of gravity as, as a leader? Oh, gosh. Um, I think... I, I only want to do stuff if I think that it's going to be great. And great doesn't have to be uh, always being the award-winning work. It doesn't have to be being the biggest. It has to be being the best in the context of a really balanced scorecard, if you like. So it matters to me that the people that come to work in my agency really like to come to work every day, that they actually care about each other and they believe that they're in a good place. Um you know, it matters to me that I'm surrounded by people that I genuinely like as well as feel sort of challenged and stimulated by. And and I've got a massive abhorrence to politics, you know, within the organisation. So I think if you can, you know, strive to be really good, create a vision, surround yourself with people that you both, you know, admire and respect and actually quite like to hang out with, then the rest of it's probably going to be all right. So on the record, they're not two Kate Howes tell me now <laughs> I think my boyfriend might think there are <laughs> he'd like me to go a bit home a bit earlier at night but apart from that <laughs> no <laughs> not that I'm aware of I've got it on record now <laughs> thank you uh, that was absolutely delightful thank you Kate for joining us thank uh, you for inviting me thank you to my hosts and thank you to Scramble Studios and Frank and Lively